Together, we're going to read the crucifixion story. It says, As they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country. And they laid the cross on him to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. And then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others who were also criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him, and along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. But Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do, and they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance, watching these things. this time, I want to share a brief uh, Good Friday reflection with you this evening. We're going to take a moment to, to pause on this night in this place to reflect on the sacrifice and the death of Jesus. Being a, uh, being a pastor over the past few months uh, has opened up a lot of the stories of your lives to me. You've shared with me your stories of pain, and I've seen that as a common thread that runs through each and every one of our lives, is that we all experience suffering. And in the stories that you've shared with me, some of the suffering is the suffering that we bring on ourselves through things like addictions, or a heated word that ends a marriage, or maybe a mistake that we wish we could take back. Some of the stories of your pain is a pain that barges into our lives uninvited and unwelcome like the pain of a pregnancy that ends in miscarriage or a relative with cancer or maybe just the day-to-day grind of work and life. This, this evening we are going to talk about the death of Jesus Christ, but something that I've noticed is that to be human is to suffer 
To be human is to live this life in the midst of suffering. It is the common thread that, that joins all of us together through all of time, through all the world. We all experience suffering. And yet something that I've realized and something that I hope uh, encourage you guys tonight is that the very thing that's at the center of what it means to be human is also at the center of Christianity. That the song of the Bible is the song of suffering. And in fact, the, the first time that someone hears about God or Jesus is usually through the story of the cross, right? And that's a story of suffering. And so this evening, if I had to sum up the story of the cross, I would sum it up in two words, Jesus suffers. And tonight I want to encourage you with three aspects of that thought. And the first tonight is that Jesus, in the story of the cross, we see Jesus suffers with us. In the crucifixion, we see thrust upon Jesus in a, in a total and utter depravity, everything that life can throw at us. He was betrayed by those who were supposed to have his back. He was rejected by the world who said that his gift was not good enough. He felt disappointment in his followers. He was mocked by the Roman soldiers who saw his life as a joke. He experienced disappointment and betrayal. And I'm sure he experienced a nagging feeling that God was absent in the midst of his suffering, in the midst of his circumstances. And yes, he experienced physical pain, and of course, he experienced a slow death on the cross. And while each of us will experience many of those things throughout our life, will experience suffering in our life, what we see in the story of the crucifixion is that Jesus experienced all of this in a single, solitary, compacted, excruciating day. Jesus suffers with us. And what we find as Jesus gasps his last breath is a God who is not deaf to pain. We find a God who embraces pain, who embraces the opportunity to experience pain with us. I wonder if you know that tonight. That the cross means that God is intimately familiar with suffering. I wonder if you realize that the cross means that the suffering in your life is a magnet to God. That God is drawn to your pain, that he is drawn to your tears and to your struggle. I wonder if you realize tonight that the suffering that Jesus experienced means that your suffering is not meaningless. That it gives us a glimmer of hope that the suffering that we experience in this life has meaning and has a purpose. For me, the, most, uh, the worst kind of suffering is the suffering that we feel like has no purpose or has no meaning. And I'm sure that you've probably been in this situation before, just like me, that when I go through suffering, the worst kind of suffering is when I don't realize that God is with me and for me. That's the worst kind of suffering. But tonight, in the story of the crucifixion and in the story of the cross, we see a Jesus that suffers with you. A Jesus who understands the things that we go through in this life. A Jesus who walks with us and goes before us because he himself has tasted from the bitter cup of pain and struggle and suffering in this life. But not only that, but what makes the cross so absolutely spectacular is not only that Jesus suffer with us, but he suffers by us at our hands. 
Jesus said, uh, he said this, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners. And Romans 3 says, for all have sinned. And Isaiah, Isaiah 53 put it, puts it this way, and the Lord has laid on him the sins of us all. You see, the cross is what happens when Jesus is delivered into our hands. It wasn't just Judas the betrayer. It wasn't just Pontius Pilate or the Romans or the disciples. It was us who put Jesus on the cross. Every single one of us has rejected him in our own way. Through our own actions, we have nailed him to the tree. And as I thought about that, it made me wonder, how could we possibly miss the beauty and the wonder of Jesus Christ, God, come into the world? How could we miss that? How could we be so blind? And I think the reason that is, or perhaps one reason that is, is because Jesus cloaked himself in humanity. That he took on our hands, and he took our feet, and our face, and our emotions. He took on our form and became like one of us. And so when I look at this story and I look at the crowd saying, crucify him, crucify him. And when I see Pontius Pilate condemning him to death and when I see the Romans crucified him, what what I see in some ways is the ways that we treat each other in this world. I see a reflection of the own ways that we treat other people in this world. I see the default human condition to bring others down so that we can lift ourselves up. It's like we're hardwired to look after our own interests instead of the interests of others. This is us and how we have shaped our world. In the death of Jesus, I see the inevitable result of a good man living in our world. For me, the death of Jesus was inevitable being in our world and being a good man. You see, while Jesus was in heaven, there's no way he could die. Heaven is where righteousness reigns. Heaven is where God reigns. That's God's territory. This is our world. And as each one of us knows, because each one of us was born into this world, if you're going to be born into this world, you're going to suffer at the hands of other people. And though he did know this, Jesus still came. I wonder this evening if we were to be honest with ourselves, if any one of us would leave our home or this great city of Houston that we love, to, to go on a journey to another world that we knew would end in our excruciating death. And then that question for me begs a different question. What kind of love are we dealing with here? Like how, do you, how do you measure a love like Jesus Christ for the world? This is the Jesus that we're talking about and celebrating this evening. What we find in the story of the crucifixion is that the most loving thing that the Son of God could ever do for us would be to give himself over into our hands. And so what we find tonight is that Jesus also suffers for us. He doesn't just suffer with us like a friend with his arm around his shoulder. He doesn't just suffer by us like an innocent man and we his executioner. But that he also suffers for us. As our Savior. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. 2 Corinthians 5. What does it say? It says, For God made Christ to be an offering for sin. And so if we look past the nails that were driven into Jesus' hands and his feet, 
And if we look past the crowds that were saying, crucify him, crucify him. And if we look past the betrayer and past the disciples and past the excruciating death by asphyxiation, what we see is even more terrifying that in the moment that Jesus died on the cross, the wrath of God struck him down, totally obliterated him. 1 John 4 puts it this way, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to be a wrath-absorbing sacrifice for our sins. On the cross, Jesus was absolutely obliterated under the wrath of God as he carried on him the sins of the world on his back. Your sins and my sins and the sins of the entire world. This is the Jesus we're talking about tonight. As Timothy Keller puts it so eloquently, Jesus lost his glory so that we could gain it. Jesus suffered so that we could be freed. Jesus was shut out from heaven so that we could gain access to it. And Jesus ultimately died so that we can live in new life. This is the story of the cross. What we see in the story of the cross is that God takes away the only kind of suffering that can truly destroy you that is being separated from God. But instead, God makes it meaningful. What we see in the story of the cross is that God has the power to make suffering meaningful. And I hope that you believe that tonight, because if you believe that tonight, then you could take it one step farther and say that God has the power to make your suffering meaningful. That the pain we go through this life is not meaningless, but that he can use it for our good. I wonder this evening, my challenge to you, I wonder this evening if we can say with the Apostle Paul, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. Or again, can we say with the Apostle Paul, I rejoice in my sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance in this life. That God is storing up for us in the future a weight of glory and a weight of joy and a weight of happiness that will make everything in this life seem like just a little drop in the water compared to the ocean of joy that we will experience with him when he returns. This is the promise of the cross. See, in two days we will commemorate the resurrection of our crucified Savior. But tonight we celebrate a Savior who tasted the bitter cup of suffering. And because he tasted that bitter cup of suffering, Jesus was able to emerge victorious from that tomb, and he was able to emerge victorious over sin and over death and over grief and over sorrow and over the baggage of this world and over all the different things that keep us from the love and the joy of God in this place. And the reason we celebrate the death of Jesus Christ is because he drank that cup he also offers it to you and to me every day to drink as well. So my encouragement for you tonight, White Oak, is that just as we drink the cup of victory of Jesus in two days, I encourage you to also drink the cup of Jesus' suffering in this life. To suffer with Jesus as the children of God, knowing that it's doing something for you. Because one day we will taste the victory of Jesus. Even today we taste it as we experience new life with him. Just a moment, we're going to transition to a time of taking the Lord's Supper. 
And we thought it'd be very fitting this evening to take the Lord's Supper because as we talk about Jesus' death on the cross and as we talk about the cup of wrath and the cup of suffering that he drank, we also celebrate the cup of victory that he uh, experiences. So Lord's Supper is very simple. We take it every single week, but tonight it has uh, really real meaning as we celebrate the Good Friday and as we celebrate the death of Jesus. Because on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he, he did something very simple. He shared a meal with his followers. And taking a piece of bread, he broke it. And he says, this is my body broken for you. In the same way, he, he took a cup and he says, this is the cup of my blood of the new covenant. Drink this in remembrance of me. Why do we celebrate the Lord's Supper? Because this is a beautiful image that we have a place at God's table. That through the death of Jesus Christ, we have a place with God and we have a place with new life and we have a place with fellowship with him. So in just a moment, I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to take the Lord's Supper. You're going to come down the center aisles and I invite you to come forward. But I invite you, before you actually take of the cup and drink of the bread, I encourage you to just take a moment of reflection. So I invite you to do that with me now. Just take a moment and just to to bow your heads just for one moment. To begin to reflect on the suffering of Jesus Christ. To begin to reflect on the suffering that he experienced in this life and on the cross. But then I want you to transition and I want you to begin to think about what that suffering means for you. That all we need to do is have faith in the cross of Jesus and we will experience new life with him. Dear Heavenly Father, thinking about the cross and thinking about the suffering that your son endured is a very heavy thing for us. Lord, we, we, we see and we read about the nails and we, we hear the, the cries, Lord. And I pray that in this moment, Lord, that we would begin to hear in our hearts the, the nails being driven into Jesus' hands and feet. I pray that we would hear in our hearts the cries of the crowd saying, crucify him, crucify him. But most of all, Father, I I pray that we would hear in our hearts and that it would be a song of triumph in our hearts. Jesus saying on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Father, I pray for these people in this room, Lord. I pray that whatever baggage we brought in here, Lord, that we would just leave it in this room. That when we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we would really understand, that we would really know in our hearts that we have new life with Jesus and that all of our sins, past, present, and future, are covered by the blood of the Lamb. So tonight, Lord, in this place, we celebrate the death of Jesus Christ and of his resurrection We proclaim Jesus' death in this place and we proclaim that it is good and that it is enough for us. Fill us in this moment with your love, Lord. And we celebrate and we praise and we pray in the name of Jesus Christ in this place. Amen. Will you come and will you take of the Lord's Supper with us?